Welcome to the Gone Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your host, Angie Rogers-Howell. What is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast featuring awesome people in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. This week, we're brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. If you have a comment about the show or something you want to share with us, call or text 765-233-2640. That's 765-233-2640. We might just use it on the show. Who do we have on the show today? Today, we have Ashley Hunter, physician at IU Health. We're supported today by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. What do they have coming up? A virtual coffee talk. This is where you bring your coffee and get in front of your computer and learn. And learn, indeed. Now, what's this one all about? This one is titled, Take a Look in Your Bucket, How Small Accomplishments Can Make a Big Difference. There's a hole in my bucket. Dear Liza, dear Liza. But we're going to learn how to fill that bucket up, right? Absolutely. All right. When will this take place? This will be on Thursday, July 1st from 8 to 9.30 a.m. Now, who's putting that on? This is presented by Jeff Eads and Dylan Wagner of Ball State Career Center. Do you have something on your bucket list that you've been wanting to do but haven't gotten around to it? Maybe it's work-related, but maybe it's personal. Many of you have plans to write a book, start a nonprofit, plan a garden, take a road trip, etc. But you can never quite seem to get it started. Sometimes our projects don't make it into reality because they don't seem as important as other people's projects or they're not world-changing. But what if the best way to change the world is to do that thing on your list that brings a little more joy to the world? Perhaps it brings you joy. Perhaps your joy will bring others joy. And perhaps your joy will make you a better leader. In this session, we will take a look at how taking a small or maybe not so small project could make the world a little better place to live. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. When's this going to happen again? It will be Thursday, July 1st from 8 to 9.30 a.m. A virtual coffee talk with Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. Today in the studio, we have Dr. Ashley Hunter of IU Health. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. No problem. Well, tell us all about your doctorness. Okay. <laughs> wow. So where do you want me to start? All the way from, you know, when I was born? No, I'm just joking. Um, so as far as being a doctor, I went to medical school at the University of Kentucky. Uh, my husband and I are Kentuckians. Okay. And then after medical school, which is four years after college, you do residency. And so you have to pick what type of specialty you want to do. Um, so I came to Muncie uh, in 2009 for the family medicine residency. We went back to Kentucky. Kentucky uh, for a job in Moorhead, Kentucky, and then decided that wasn't working out well and started looking to come back to Muncie again. So we've been back in Muncie since 2015. Um, in 2015, I uh, did some work at Open Door, was delivering a lot of babies, taking care of kiddos, but then decided to change paths with that and have been doing hospitalist medicine since 2017. So 2017 was working at Ball in the hospitalist department, and then Jay County had a need, and uh, we live in the northern part of the county, so so really, Jay, uh, in the northern part of Delaware County, that is, J 
Jay's not that far and I'm a country girl. So I was okay with being in a smaller place. Mm -hmm. Um, So the majority of my work is at Jay as a hospitalist. So the beauty of family medicine is we basically take care of people from conception, preconception even, all the way to the grave. And that provides a lot of flexibility in career path. So if there's, you know, an ER that needs a family doc to work there, that's an option. Primary care um, in the office is an option. And then hospitalist um, is really a specialty that over the last probably 10, 15 years has come more into play. So a hospitalist doctor doesn't have a primary care practice usually. Uh, our practice is just in the hospital. And as we've seen that medicine's demands um, on the outpatient side for primary care physicians have gotten a little tougher to be able to be in all places all at once, a lot of the primary care docs will, will say, hey, I can't come to the hospital to follow my patients anymore. And the hospitalist physicians are the ones that, that manage the care in the hospital. And then we try to get them as, as best uh, shape as we can to hand them back to their primary care doctors after their acute illness is over. Okay. Now, where'd you grow up at? Kentucky or someplace different? Yeah, Kentucky. So northeastern Kentucky, uh, where Ohio and West Virginia and Kentucky come together. Oh, the the foothills. Yeah, so in Appalachia, and a okay. lot of people say, well, you don't sound like you're from Kentucky, but if I spend enough time back home, I do get a little you bring twang. It back. My <laughs> eyes turn in. Instead of light, it's light, light, light. Yeah. Um, I can't even reproduce it right now. I guess that's a sign that I might need to spend a little time back with my family in Kentucky. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I grew up and then stayed in Kentucky for college, medical school. And, and Indiana is a really great place for family medicine uh, training because they just see family the value of family medicine and uh, Ball was, was a really great place to train. So Now tell us about this past year, being a doctor Probably during a the time tough. of COVID. <laughs> Yes, um, definitely. Uh, you know, it's hard to even summarize where things have been. I mean, whenever, um, you know, we started seeing things about COVID, a lot of us in medicine were, were pretty scared um, because we saw stories, and, and in some ways, rightfully so, um, you know, it's completely new diagnosis for humanity. The coronavirus have existed for a long time, but this strain is something we we didn't know how it behaved or how to predict it or how things were going to go. Um, so whenever I walked into my first room where I knew the patient had COVID, um, I haven't had many moments like that in medicine. You know, it's um, uh, even though I had my protective gear on, you think, is this going to work? Do I know how well this mask is going to protect me? We we didn't know a lot about everything as far as how it was transmitted. So we were doing the best we could, but definitely a moment of collect yourself, but you can feel the fear and, and anxiety yeah and a little terror in a way you know because we have uh you know I've got my husband and four kids at home and that thought of um if I get this and bring this home to them you know you're seeing stories of both parents in the hospital and you know what do you do with kids and we don't have family around so you know it's been a interesting thing as far as trying to learn as we go um here recently as things open up um it's still hard to have people understand what COVID can look like and be like. And in the last week or two, I have started with the analogy of it's, it's almost like if you had a guy out on the street with a 
bag and he walked up to you and said, hey, you want to put your hand in this bag? And you say, well, what's in the bag? Oh, it's just a bunch of snakes, but only one of them's poisonous. You probably, you know, if you get bitten, (laughs) your chances probably aren't that bad, but um, I don't think anyone wants to be bitten by a snake. And then if you turn out to be the one that got bitten by the poisonous snake, then your next question is how bad is this going to be? You get the bag, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, we still, it's it's really hard to predict um, how people are going to do. We know that there are people that are higher risk groups, but I've seen 90-year-olds do great, and I've seen 60-year-olds die. And I know um, younger people have died as well. And it's it's just hard when you're not seeing it and not there knowing what the numbers are. And, and it's a virus that it is so strange, the ways, the, the spectrum of how it can affect people. You know, some people barely have symptoms at all or have no symptoms. Uh, and then others, we can have them think they're stable. And then eight hours later, they are not, you know, they're in the ICU getting intubated. And that's not to try to, you know, create fear. Um, I'm definitely not a let's let's live in terror all the time. It's just the reality. Now, was there a moment uh, where you worked where you were like, wow, this is a lot of people in here? So Jay County wasn't uh, as bombarded. Um, we have, in general, the, the acuity, meaning how ill people are, where we don't have an ICU. If we got people that were looking like they were getting too sick, we would transfer them to ball usually. But I do know, and it was, you know, on the radio with Dr. Bird talking about, hey, the numbers back in the fall, they were getting uh, pretty tight as far as the number. I think they got almost to 100. And, you know, for ball to have 300 plus beds, if you think about a third of their beds were with COVID patients. We don't have that with flu. You know, we have a lot of people that want to compare it to the flu, but we've never had a third of our beds or any hospital. I know that's a probably could be an, feel like an exaggeration, but, but I would challenge anyone to, to say in the last 50 years that, that they've had that many people with the same illness at the same time um, in the hospital. And, and thankfully, Ball was able to, you know, use the resources they had, and we never got to those, and hopefully we don't get to those scenarios that they were trying to plan for. You know, do we have to look at the Horizon Center or Emmons, or what do we do if we run out of beds or ventilators or whatever? Thankfully, that hasn't been the case, but they were trying to prepare as best they can for something that was almost unpreparable, you know, that you can't predict fully. So yeah, in other parts of the world that has happened, right, run out of everything. Right. And so yes, so thankful that we have not been in in that place. Now you mentioned you, uh, you do a lot of stuff uh, Mm -hmm. from from cradle to death and even even pre prenatal and all that. What's your favorite practice of medicine? Yeah, I was actually hoping you would ask that. <laughs> Good job. Um, I I really like uh, taking care of pregnant women. And when things go well, delivering babies, if they don't go well, then that's a really bad day for sure. You know, it's a kind of a high risk um, situation can be. And then watching that baby grow, you know, I... It, I struggled in medical school to pick a specialty because I was drawn to OB, but I hated the fact that they deliver the baby and somebody else gets to take care of it after it's out of the womb, you know? I'm like, ah. And I always joked, but it wasn't really a joke, that I I wish that there was a specialty that was OB in pediatrics because I I just like – you know, working with women through that time of their lives and seeing kids grow and 
interacting with children. And um, so it is weird that I'm, I'm doing hospital. It's just kind of the total opposite. But at, at this point in my life, I think hospital as medicine has fit well for me. I think the biggest thing in pregnancy and raising kids, I'm, I'm pretty real with it. You know, my experience with my first child, we'd never taken care of a my, my own child, that is. Yeah. We'd never taken care of a baby a day in our lives. We actually put his diapers on backwards for a week. <laughs> I blame my husband for that. But, um, and, and I had this feeling of, this really stinks. Like, ooh, I didn't realize I was going to, I mean, you know, you know you're going to be responsible for them like 24-7. But that, and I know this sounds like, how do you have four kids and why do you like this part of medicine? But that newborn period, there are some people who love the newborn period. I was not that person. Yeah. Those are usually grandparents because. Yeah, they get to hand them back. (laughs) They get them back. You know, so I I always try to be really real with my my patients whenever I was taking care of those new moms especially because I felt like I didn't have a safe place to to say like oh this stinks I really don't like this endless cycle of crying and feeding and pooping and trying to get a nap and maybe a nap never happening and it's exhausting you know so I always try to be a safe place to say that because you see your friends out you see Facebook oh it's so great you have these old women that are making over you oh you've got a new baby it's so great and then you're like but I don't feel like it's great meanwhile I'm covered in barf and I haven't had a shower in how long and this is not as fun and glamorous as I thought it was gonna be (laughs) totally um and then uh working with women you know breastfeeding is a whole other thing I think it's another one of those things that's great when it works out um you know I had struggles that I was able to share with with patients to kind of normalize sometimes it seems like oh it's all rainbows and butterflies uh, and I think that sets up unreasonable expectations and people feeling like a failure when they're they're actually probably doing really well, mm-hmm. you know. So I like w- working through those problems um, as, as well to say, hey, you know, let's back up. Why are we doing this? What are our goals? You know, and how can we help you t- to get through this? Um, so, so yeah, it's just that's the part I really connect with to make people feel better about the whole experience, hopefully. Now, tell me about the family. Four kids. What and what husband, are the ages? Yeah. Yes. So people always are like, how are you a doctor and have four kids? I say my <laughs> husband. I was going to ask, but, I, but I, I didn't think that was right. Yeah. My husband is a saint. Um, he's great. Thankfully, he has a job that, you know, he's self-employed and has flexibility in in his schedule. So the our firstborn, I wouldn't advise this to anybody that's thinking about this, but we had him right before I started residency. So again, our ignorance was shown in that. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll have a new baby. I'll start a new job. We'll move five hours away from our family. How could, yeah, that'd be What could go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We both, my husband and I both survived. The child is alive, and he seems like he's rather well adjusted. So he will be 12. And then, so each kid is like three, basically three years apart. So he'll be 12 in July, and then we have a nine-year-old, six-year-old, and then the princess of the house. We have all boys, three three boys, and then the princess, the, our, our girl, um, will be three in July. Oh, fun age. That is fun. Yeah, but she is like going on 16 or 17 already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Our I'll just wait until that 12-year-old gets to be 14 or 15. Like, yeah. life. Ugh. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're not there yet. It's like, well, we'll try to figure it out as it comes, I guess. So That's the way we all do. But yep. isn't that funny that you don't get a manual to have a baby or anything? I know. I think it'd be easier if we did, but oh, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do you guys like to do for fun when you're not doctoring and taking mm. care of four kids? And all right, that? yeah. There's not a whole lot of time for fun, but we do. We do try to do some stuff. We like to be outside. On uh, vacations, we have started going to, well, actually, it was 2017, I guess, we decided we were going to try to hit all the national parks. Mm-hmm. So we are on number, we just finished number nine, 18 and 19. Was it easier before the pandemic or during the pandemic? To, to go on vacation? To, I mean, to, to hit these national parks. Oh. Because uh, I know a lot of people went for it during the pandemic to go to the parks. Yeah, there has been an increase in the parks. I mean, you know, we had to make decisions about, okay, do we really want to get on a plane? Try to hit some of the ones that we could drive to. The the parks, yeah, they were, you know, pretty busy. It's kind of interesting to me because I'm pro-mask, and but you're outside and then people on the trails are still wearing masks and I'm like we're outside you know we we weren't wearing masks on on the trails (laughs) um but I mean I would still rather see that than than nobody regarding the thought of a pandemic going on see I I saw the opposite when I went walking into Walmart because people (laughs) didn't have masks on and Uh, I thought they should yeah yeah Yep. Um, other things we like to do. A couple of the boys do jujitsu uh, at the Brazilian jujitsu um, up near uh, Clancy's. Okay. I like to read, uh, and then I do some running. Uh, did my first half marathon here recently. Actually, Kristen Suiting, who was on the show, uh, she's a really good runner. Um, so <laughs> uh, I, for a minute, I thought, oh, yeah, I might keep up with Kristen, and then it didn't last too long. But we all survived. Let's see. Yeah, that covers a lot of it, I think. Does anybody do the Tech Boys Academy? So my husband, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess Let's I should have mentioned that. Oh, that. you know, so he TechWise Academy is his, and we are very much a math, science, computer programming. You're a STEM family. We are a STEM <laughs> family. I'm, yeah, I'm sure I, yeah. There's <laughs> depends on which letters you want to add in there. Um, it, it's hard to pry the boys off of devices, uh, and then you know, then they'll figure out. Oh, well, can I work on Scratch, Dad? And then he has a hard time saying no, you know, because that's his <laughs> love. They they like to figure out an angle to just get back on a device. Um, so e- each of the boys has done one of the at least one of the classes, but usually in any of his classes, one of our kids are there because they hit you know the age range now what made you want to be a doctor is it something you'd wanted wanted to do since you were a kid or just kind of figured it out as you went through Mm -hmm. school so you know I was kind of one of those classic smart kids and liked science and math and um, really looked up to my pediatrician whenever I was young and then I had a high school science teacher one day that said well I I have no doubt Ashley could go and be a doctor and I was kind of like oh yeah I guess I could go for that you know and so as far as like when was there the exact decision okay I'm it sounded good and like well why not try it so I said okay I'll do you know biology for for college and do the pre-med thing and see how that goes and I did well and then okay I guess I'll apply for medical school did well but I I definitely don't think I could say there was an exact moment of like oh this is meant for me now I as a kid I always went through all the ologies you know zoologist and anthropologist and archaeologist thought about being a veterinarian at one point and my dad mentions this I don't really know for sure exactly how this went down but he was 
he did country veterinary medicine. You know, he was mm-hmm. not, he was trained in the school of if it lives great and if it dies, we'll just hope for the, you know, hope that doesn't happen. That's but, how I grew up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> country, yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that about me, the, the country girl part. But um, he had a cow that had an abscess or something on his foot and he just took a knife to it and you know, stuff squirted across the, the way. And he, he says that was the moment I decided not to be a veterinarian, but I think I would have liked, you know, veterinary stuff as well. The problem is they can't really talk to you, but then it's interesting. I like babies cause they can't they talk, can't to, talk to you either. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting. We saw that. We watched a vet do a C-section on a cow out in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I saw some biologically some interesting some things. You grow There's up on a stuff. farm, you see some stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's good, you know. Well, we'll have trade stories later. Yeah, yeah. We, we try not to tell too many of those stories on the air because we look like terrible people. <laughs> what success mean to you? Ending the day as satisfied as you can be with the feeling that you're bringing some positivity. To the world or just your area? Um, it would be great if it was both, but I think <laughs> that it's hard to influence the world. I mean, but definitely to the, the circle that's around you. I don't think I would say that there's a monetary amount that's, you know, associated with that. Um, it's more about helping as much as you can in the ways you can. I I hate the thought of a problem and complaining about a problem without doing something to work towards a solution for said problem, you know. Uh, So you mentioned you're from Kentucky and you came here and went back and came back. So what, like, what drew you to Indiana and Muncie in particular and all of that? So the first time um, it was the family medicine residency. Mm -hmm. I you know, a lot of people looking at residencies will do eight to 10 interviews because I'm crazy and wanted to feel good about my decision. I think I did 16, which is a lot of interviews. Um, and then I knew somebody that had graduated from, from medical school that was here and I trusted them. And they said, you know, this is really good, good training. So, so that was the big reason uh, for the first time to Muncie. The second time, a lot of it was the job opportunity um, at Open Door as far as doing the things that I love the most, the women and babies. But our experience in Muncie, whenever we, you know, had our first child and being here as a resident was good. And the other thing was knowing whenever I was looking at leaving Kentucky again, I wanted to be in a place where I knew the medicine was good and and really I only looked at places where other docs had trained at Ball um, so that I knew that we had that common foundation for how we approach medicine, how we approach taking care of people. So yeah, it just, it worked out that it ended up being Muncie, but we had a good reason to come back. Excellent. What keeps you here? How about Muncie in particular? Yeah. A lot of the medicine still, but, you know, since we've been here, you know, my husband and I talk about, and I think Mitch Isaacs mentioned this once, that that anybody can be somebody in Muncie. You know, there's some towns that um, it's how things are run and who are the, the people in the town that are the connections or whatever. If you weren't born and raised there, you know, you might as well forget it. But it seems like Muncie is 
is open to, you know, anybody that's excited and passionate, they're going to find a place and be able to do good things. So I, I do like that. You know, he's been able to, to establish something he's passionate about. We've finally been in a place more than a few years, which in medicine, uh, it's tough because you train, you know, you go to med school in one place, go to residency in one place, you usually leave. Um, and so since we've been here since uh, 15, the second time, you know, we have friends, our kids are happy in the schools and it's it's good and now it's time for the lightning round quick questions and quick answers number one question what's your favorite band or artist john mayer i can't remember the the count of concerts i think it's eight or nine that i've been to i have not seen john mayer but i I love his first album the rooms for squares i think Uh that's his first album Uh it's a magnificent album are you an early bird or a night owl it depends on what's required of me. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite book? Oh, I know oh, you're a big reader, so yeah. it might be tough. This one is tough. Or if you yeah. have a couple, that's okay. Too. I uh, am reading through as many Newberry books as I can. So those are kids' books. Um, <laughs> hey, those are good books. They yeah, win you're not reading for... those for yourself, are yeah. you? No, they no win I am. For oh, you are. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They are good. I started. I got into adult. <laughs> I got into adult literature whenever I was like in college. And I was like, eh. I, I definitely dislike Jodi Picoult, so that's a no. But so then I just went back to kids' books that are good. So as far as best one, oh, I don't know. Well, with four kids, I just figure you're doing a lot of reading, too. Yeah, so. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I just don't think I can pick pick one. Okay, but the Newberry books, yeah. those are good. Yeah. Have you ever met anyone famous? No, but we did see Jay Billis on our honeymoon, but we didn't talk to him. My husband whispered, hey, that guy's on ESPN. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't watch ESPN. <laughs> but That's he knew as close who as, he was. as we okay. found. What's your guilty pleasure? Legos. We have Legos at the house that, the, that are just mine. The kids do not touch. What? And they know oh. this. Yeah. Nice. Very good. What's, do you have a favorite? Do you just theme? Do, do you, like a Star Wars or? Uh, or do you build according to a plan or do you just create? I need instructions. Okay. I'm not a master okay. builder. Um, I really like the little cute animals. Like those are the things when I was a kid, if they had had those sets. I feel like, you know, they've got Lego friends that are geared towards girls, but I feel like they could do a better job. Like I don't like Lego friends. I wouldn't oh, have yeah. liked those as a kid. But the, the animals, I, those are some pretty good sets. Okay. What's your favorite movie? Mm, this one's hard too. I don't watch movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do we. Neither do we. <laughs> I fall asleep during them all. So. I'm hoping to go um, back to the movie theater someday. <laughs> I know. Yeah, um, Life is Beautiful is good. It's been a long time since I watched it. It's one mm. of those you have to be in the mood for. Braveheart. I like Braveheart. Freedom. Yeah. yeah. What's your hidden talent? Something you're good at that other people might not know. Mm. Obviously, doctoring, but I think I would say know that. Legos. But <laughs> well, that's yeah, true. Legos. I, I don't know if this fits, but um, I did swallow an earthworm once to prove to myself that I could do it if caught in a survival situation. But I wouldn't call what, that a talent. What, was it in a bottle of liquor or just, no? Just no, no. Okay. It was when it was when um, <laughs> um, Survivor first came out. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah. can I do this? Yeah, yeah. But hidden talent. I mean, I think that's pretty impressive. I would not swallow an earthworm. Yeah, I'd probably gag on that. We, unless we, it was in that bottle of liquor. No, even if it's in the tequila. Nope, not doing it. <laughs> do you sing in the shower? Uh, no. Okay. How about the car? Yes. Okay. What do you sing in the car? Whatever, whatever's John on. John Mayer? Yeah, John Mayer. So. <laughs> John Mayer? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you were 90s hip hop or something like that. 
I'll listen to some of that, yeah. Or death metal, you know. One of no, the definitely not that. No? Not country. Okay. <laughs> Matt's the death metal person. He's like, yeah. no, no thanks. Star Wars or Star Trek? E.T. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> Somewhere in between. Gotcha. Yeah, I, yeah. No, I don't like either of those. And my husband gives me a hard time. What's your most used emoji on your phone? Uh, probably the crying, smiling mm-hmm. face. Like, you just have to smile else you would really be crying, you know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Really appreciate you coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for stopping by the farmhouse. Bye. Now, if you're one of those people that love their dog so much and, you know, if, if you're not treating your dog like a baby and caring for it and are just crazy about your dog. This might not be the segment Don't listen for you. to this right now because <laughs> we are going to talk about our dog, Jesse. Our dog, Jesse, who is still being treated very nicely and cared and humanely. for and humanely. So don't let that give you Now, we live in a farmhouse and our dog jesse mm-hmm. which basically was a christmas present santa santa brought, brought us jesse about five years ago yes and jesse was about seven or eight when santa brought her she was a little older and so she's even older now and very much set in her now, ways now what kind of dog is she she is a puggle so she's a mix between a pug and a beagle which are like the most stubborn dogs breeds available i would say the moodiest as well. This that dog, too. if you mess with it, it will get moody yes, it, and pee on your carpet. It will look at you in the eyeballs and while pee it's peeing. on your floor. Like while maintaining Ugh. contact. Like it knows what it's doing. We've been dealing with this for the past five years, three yeah. to five years. And we just, we're done with it. Yes. We so, know there's, there's nothing wrong with her. We've taken her to the vet. She's fine. Exactly. It's great. It's wonderful. I cannot have her peeing. She's just a moody puggle. Yes, and I can't have her peeing on my floors anymore. And we cannot do it. We just had the carpets clean. And the reason I had the carpets clean is because of the dog. Peed all over them. Yes. And we took the dog outside. Now, this is where it gets interesting. So the dog is outside on a on a tie. Tie out? Yes. Which I would like to say that I was not in favor of. She was not in favor of, but I did it and for the two weeks that before this next story comes up. Everything was great. No, Meaning we no, took out the dog. It was not the dog was great. out there for a while. It had water. It had food. It had shade. It was great. It we barked. brought it back in. But here's the thing: we brought it back in to the back room. Right in our back room, it's like a like enclosed porch laundry room. Now you gotta think of it as a it's farmhouse. An old farmhouse. So you would come in with your you know muddy boots or whatever. It's that kind of back room. Right. You kick off your boots. It's just, it's, it's like it's a, not the cleanly. It's a utility thing. kind of room. Kind it's a of situation. Room. But anyway, it's not where you want to live. And I don't think it's where your dog wants to live. Anyway, but we the would. The dog was doing fine, just whatever. to let you know. Okay. So we put the dog in there at night so the coyotes won't eat it. And so she has a nice place to stay and all of yes. that. We get that. But she would also pee everywhere in that room. All the, oh, gross. And then, like, it's been. 90 whatever degrees the dog pees in the back room and then i do laundry back there and so then you turn on the dryer and then it's like hot steamy muggy dog pee room and it makes me want to barf and i cannot handle it 
plus I don't think it's humane to put her like on a little tie out or whatever for her whole life. That's not right. So you know what happened next? Of course, well, of course I have a plan. <laughs> Angie must have been on a podcast. And no, I did not. About no, it no, on I Amazon. Thought, no, I thought of this all on my own. Thank you. Well, she she ordered <laughs> fencing. fencing. Yes, actually, I ended up getting it from Lowe's, not Amazon, but whatever. Um, so I got fencing. I'm like, all right. And I kind of got this idea from my sister because she kind of did something similar in her yard. But it's mostly to separate at her house where the dog could poop and where the dog couldn't poop so her kids could play in the yard and whatever. Gotcha. But I was like, all right, we're going to make a fence and we're going to make it off of our back deck because we have like a little deck area. So the dog can, she can go in the back room. Then she can go on the fence or the, the, the back deck area, have a little place to hang out. And then we'll like take it off our back deck and into the yard and make like a little dog run so she can just have she can have some grass she can have the deck she can have the back room now i just want everybody to know i have a full chicken run next to the barn that is we are not putting a dog in a chicken run no (laughs) and uh, had a way to get into the barn outside the barn poor dog but it's 20 feet away so we can't have that no play with that dog out there that poor dog is gonna get put okay this dog lived in our house it had a chair of its own a leather chair that she commandeered as her own like this is my chair right and i have floors to pee on whenever i want she went from that to go to a dog to the barn and a chicken run that seems so mean (laughs) so we just put her in the back room but anyway to get to the story what happened this past weekend was I was in a hurry. I had another gig that I was, I was not going intending to. for you to take on this project. And somebody took on the project right there, I don't know, what, 20 well, minutes before I had to leave? Well, I wanted you to see where I was putting it, and it's a good thing I did because you were like, no, we can't put it there. So she, <laughs> it's, it's kind of in front of the deck, and it wraps around the deck, okay? But she was going to section off both sides of the right. We have two walkway. sides of the deck. It has stairs so on both sides. So you couldn't get on the deck without walking over the fence. And she was, she told me this. I She's was like, gonna make a I'm, I'm going to make a, a I little was gate. I going to make a gate. Out of this wire fence. I don't know. I was That's figure, two feet high. I was going to figure it out. I don't know. But <laughs> you were like, no, no, no. We no, can't no, do no, that. no. So we figured out a way. We moved it over a little bit. So now I'm only blocking one of the entrances to the back deck. And now the dog can get up and down there. And then we have a baby gate. Yes. <laughs> that's cordoning off the other side of the deck. Uh, so I think it's going to work. I don't know. We'll see. It, it's a compromise for we'll, sure. Until our dog figures out that she can jump over it, which I don't think she's going to do that because nah. she's like 13 years old. Dig under it. Maybe. pull it, Push it over by jumping on it. Also, maybe because she's kind of Maybe the thick. Holtzman's dog will jump over it and oh, get it. That dog will totally jump over and then ah! poop in my... <laughs> she, that dog likes to poop in our yard anyway. She's got the biggest poops ever. Like, ugh. Anyway, we're trying. I'm trying to be humane. We're trying to be humane. And nice to this dog, but all and not make it live on a chain or in a freaking barn, but also not pee on my floors. I'm still I'm still going with the barn idea. But no. you know, we're gonna try it. We're gonna see. We're gonna see. We're gonna see. And all you animal lovers, please don't don't uh, don't email us and tell us how terrible of people we are. Yeah, we told you not to listen. We we know how terrible we are. It's okay. <laughs> like we're we're trying. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at GoneBoss.com or hashtag GoneBoss. We're on Instagram at GoneBoss2K or find us on Facebook just by searching GoneBoss. If you have a comment about the show or something you want to share with us, call or text 765-233-2640. That's 765-233-2640. We might just use it on the show. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Today's episode was brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Check them out at SchaeferLeadership.com. Have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to tune in next week and find out who has gone. Gone Boss!